you'll have months that are a thousand to fifteen hundred bucks off of one room. That's life changing money for a lot of people. That was life changing money for me. So I think it's pretty low stakes to start there. Welcome to Location Indie Podcast, a behind-the-scenes, unfiltered, no-holds-barred look at the realities of the location-independent lifestyle from myself and now a bunch of friends who are living that lifestyle. And if you're listening to this on the EPOP podcast, you're like, wait, wait, wait a second. I hit the wrong button. I'm on Trav's other podcast. What's going on here? No, no, no. Don't worry. You're in the right place. We're actually putting this out on both podcast feeds for two main reasons. One... October 25th and 26th, we are holding, my guest Rob and I are holding a three biggest myths about starting a short-term rental workshop, October 25th, 26th, and it is free. We don't normally do free stuff. (laughs) We don't normally do free stuff. Rob, I know you don't usually because it's like, hey, we want to get people who are super interested in this here. But in this case, we're like, let's just do it free. Come one, come all, let's do it. Both of us are obviously super passionate about short-term rentals. You're here all about that today. Uh, you can check it out by going to locationindie.com slash workshop or extrapackofpeanuts.com slash workshop. So either of the websites slash workshop, that'll take you there. And the second big reason we're putting out on both podcasts, my guest today, he's just that cool, that important, has a lifestyle that resonates with both listeners because he's been able to pull himself out of that nine to five, build something he loves give him the flexibility to live, travel, do all that good stuff. The king, I've seen you called this somewhere. I can't remember. The (laughs) king of short-term rentals, because now you're being called it here, Rob Abasolo. But if you really want to get to his heart, just call him, hey, Rob Bill, what's up? (laughs) That's right. That's how I know that. I'm like, oh, it's a YouTube subscriber right there. Well, hello, hello, hello. Thanks for having me. Howdy, howdy. Uh, Wow, that is quite the intro. I felt very hyped. You're like the greatest hype man of all time. Has anyone ever told you that? I mean, I no, but uh, here I am. I'll be the Rob built hype man uh, till the day I die at this point. And <laughs> uh, one thing we talked about just before we hit record here, if because it was funny, we were talking about our, our brushes with fame and I'm mm-hmm. using air quotes. You guys can't see. Yeah, fame. Uh, big air quotes. <laughs> yes. Big air quotes. Um, And, uh, and now people have recognized us before and things like that and how it's very nice when someone comes up and says like, hey, Rob Builder, hey, Trev, you don't know me. And like when they start <laughs> with like, that, it's the best <sighs> woo, 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 breath of fresh air because you probably got that a ton recently at the Bigger Pockets conference because you're also hosting that podcast. So it's like all real estate nerds converged on San Diego and there's mm-hmm. the king, Rob Bill. So <laughs> I, king I mean, of short term rentals. <laughs> yeah, I, I was talking to a buddy who runs like a, a big like like um, a mastermind for flipping. It's called Future Flipper. They're, they're really great over there. And when, when we met, we talked on Zoom for the first time and he was like, dude, you are the president of real estate. Did you know that? And I was like, I don't think so. I don't I think there are probably a few higher f- higher up figures than me. And he's like, dude, you're the co-host of the Bigger Pockets podcast. You are the president. And I was like, you know what? That's fine. Uh, I'll take my quote unquote fame, right? My big air quotes here. Uh, it's been pretty crazy, man. It's really funny. It is a a really big breath of fresh air whenever someone's like, Rob. And then I'm like, uh-oh, because I'm really good with faces. Genuinely, I don't ever forget anybody. And so if I ever have forgotten somebody, I'm like, oh, no, I'm so sorry. And they're like, if they immediately say, you don't know me. I'm always like, oh, my 
goodness. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, I'm curious, man. How often do you even get recognized these days? We, we were riffing on this a little bit before. And I said, Let, let's stop. Let's actually say it's the podcast because it's funny. And, uh, you know, it's like an ego boost, but it's also funny because <laughs> I I don't expect to get recognized. We just have a podcast and website. And I am super appreciative, obviously, to any of our listeners and fans and supporters. I, I would say maybe maybe three to four times a year something happens like mm. outside of conferences Tasteful. or where I'm expected. Yeah, just random ones. And I was telling you, there's two that specifically uh, come out in my mind. So if either one of these is you, thank you. Uh, one <laughs> was when we were getting on a plane and we had our kids and, you know, we're, you have two kids too. So we're like wrangling our oh, kids man. onto the plane. It's chaos, of course. Trying mm-hmm. to get them their seat, this and that. And someone behind us just, just taps us on the show like, excuse me. Uh, are you Travis and Heather from the Extra Pack of Peanuts podcast? And it was so cool because it was while we were traveling, right? Like we're talking about traveling. Here we are getting on a plane. There was a listener there and uh, and we're like, yeah, we are. And she's like, you know, I saw you sitting out there before we got on the plane. You guys look familiar. I didn't know how, but it wasn't until I got behind you and heard your voice that I knew <laughs> it was you, which makes sense because it's a podcast, right? So you have an iconic voice, man. That, that was a cool one. The other one where I felt like the most baller and again, massive air quotes yeah, around baller. giant air quotes. We got it because of our community. We were filming a TV show in Switzerland. So there, there was this contest to host this TV show in Switzerland and uh, our community showed up, voted for us. We ended up winning. It was 10 days filming in Switzerland. It was really cool. It aired on like cable TV, but like the depths of cable TV. It's like, oh, this will be on National Ge- Geographic. Then it was Travel Channel. Then it became <laughs> Wealth Network. Then it became something called like ANW and we ended up on ANW. But <laughs> like, like um, a yeah, we got to film this. And so we were going around with the, with the film crew and the one guy had just got done doing like Fast and Furious 7. So he'd been like miking up the rock. So he's like touching my chest. I'm like, yeah, a little different here, brother. Um, <laughs> and but we're with his film crew. It's like day three or four in Switzerland in the middle of nowhere. And, you know, they're kind of getting the lay of the land with us. We're getting the lay of the land with the crew. And these people come up to like, so excited. Travis and Heather, Travis and Heather. Oh my gosh, we love you. And I was like, um, I, I swear I didn't pay them, but I should have because after that, everyone thought like, oh, they get recognized around the world. So those are the two oh, best, awesome, Rob, dude. that I've got. Those are the two best. That's really good, man. Yeah. yeah. Every time it happened to me previously, like when it, when it was all first starting, was I was always by myself. And so I would go to my best friend and my, my wife and I'd be like, babe, you know, I, I got recognized today. And it was always like she would we'd be at the dinner table and then she would go to the bathroom and then someone would be like, hey, Rob, love your content. You know, I'd be like, oh, thanks. And then she'd come back. I'm like, someone came by when you were gone. And she was like, oh, cool. And I'm like, they did. I'm telling you, <laughs> they watch my channel. Uh, are you proud of me, dad? And it always has. But now, yeah, now that's not really quite as much of an issue. They're, they're usually um, around these days now whenever people walk up. So that's nice. Well, and like YouTube as well, definitely lends itself to that, to, to getting recognized, of course, because they're seeing your face, like they know you, right? If like, if I watched your YouTube channel a few times before we met, and if I would have seen you on the street, I would have been like, oh, that's Rob. Just, you know, you look distinct. Obviously you're all over your YouTube channel. So for you, I'm assuming it happens quite often at this point. You know what? It kind of. Yeah, honestly, um, it's happened three times this week, which is honestly might might be a record. Now, this is not including BP con. But yesterday at dinner, I was actually my my business partner was just asking me, he's like, dude, you know, what's it like these days? Is it is it happening a lot? And I'm like, you know what? I've always said that being 
um, massive air quotes here. All right. Massive air quotes. But I, I always said that I, like being podcast famous was always the goal, like when I was younger, because you can still live your life. And then the people that come up to you come up to you because they love listening to whatever you have to teach. So it's a very special kind of, of relationship, I think. Whereas if you're like Leonardo DiCaprio, you can't go get lunch anywhere because everyone's going to mob you and they're like, I love your movie. And it's like, OK, but the people that listen and follow along and are part of the journey that that to me is like super, super special. So I was explaining that to him. And then like literally 45 seconds after that, someone came up and they're like, hey, uh, are you wrong? I, I, I'm a big fan of the podcast. And I was like, oh, wow, this is very, very coincidental. And then I I gave you know, I, I did pay her to do that. So I gave her 20 bucks and then my, right. my business partner will never know. Um, right. And, and then he gave you like more equity in the company now because he's like, oh, right. it's all because of Rob's fame that that we're doing this. So there you and go. I'll, yeah, it's getting very expensive to do that though to just hire extras uh, to to come and pretend like they know me. But uh, it happened yesterday. Someone was delivering <laughs> like some West Elm furniture, and he's like, "Hey, I have a question. Are you are you Rob Bill?" And I was like, "Yeah." And he's like, "Oh man, I love your channel." Turns out he had just delivered furniture to my business partner that I was having dinner with yesterday. He's like. I just deliver stuff to your business partner, man, like a week ago. And it, yeah, so it's, it's just kind of weird. It's funny. I I don't think I'll ever really process this, but uh, I'm just happy that people enjoy what I have to teach, which is yeah. uh, what we're going to be doing today, Trav. Yeah, it is. It is really cool. And it's a great feeling. And for any of any of the people who are Rob's fans, our fans who have ever come up and said hi, it, it it's awesome. Like, please don't stop doing it. Please, please don't feel hi. weird. Yeah, Anytime. it's Listen, we're just two guys. I was a high school teacher. You were, I don't know. We're going to, well, let's hear your story because one of the things that you were able to do is pull yourself out of a regular job and be able to build this lifestyle. And that's what we talk about at Location Indie. It's even what we talk about extra pack of peanuts is like how you can have the freedom to live the lifestyle that you want, right? We talk about time, location, and financial freedom. And if you can hit those points of the triangle, then you get to have, have that lifestyle freedom. And so give, give everyone a little bit of background about how you even got started in this journey. And, uh, you know, because I don't, at least for me, and I won't speak for you, but I never intended, I didn't know that we do a podcast for eight, nine years. I didn't know that we'd like have fans and supporters. I, my goal was like, how can I create something that allows me to not have to be a teacher and to work from anywhere that did become a podcast and website, but it wasn't like I started out with maybe that much clarity around it. Yeah, but let me, let me ask you this. Let's get deep really fast. Would you really like, let's say like, would, would Trav now of 2023 or of 2022, uh, would he, would you really want him to go and speak to Trav uh, from 2013? Like, would you really want to go back and give some advice mm. to younger you? I, I don't, you know, my, my gut's going to tell me no, because it would have just changed that journey a little bit. You know what yeah. I mean? And you would um, hold in the space-time continuum and just implode the universe, I think. Yeah. And then that would be a bigger issue than just yeah. me changing my <laughs> journey. So, right. hmm. yeah, you know, it is one of those things where I know that I've always liked being in front of people. I've liked teaching. I, I mean, I was a teacher. Did I ever, when I was a teacher, imagine that I would be teaching like entrepreneurship and, and travel and all? No, because I didn't know anyone could. I thought like teaching meant high school or college or whatever. Like you were in a yeah. building teaching a subject that someone then had to take a test on essentially. And, uh, you know, and it took me probably five, six, seven years to realize that my expertise and skill was teaching. It was just that I could do it in a lot of different manners. The workshop that we're going to do together via podcast, via whatever. Um, 
but I think it's pretty cool when you do get to look back to say, oh man, that skill, like that thing that you loved doing growing up, like you like being around teachers, you like being in school, your mom was a teacher, you're still doing it, but you just got to form that skill set around what you wanted the lifestyle to be versus trying to hem the lifestyle into what society called a teacher. So it's pretty fun to think about. Yeah, man, that's, hey, all that's very profound. Yeah, I, people, this really goes into the whole like, what's the biggest mistake that you wish you, you know, didn't make and all that kind of stuff. And I'm always like, none. I yeah. want every every mistake that I've ever made has made me a millionaire. I'm a millionaire. I'm a self-employed business mogul because of the mistakes that I've made from because I'll never make those mistakes again. And they're learning experiences. So I also didn't imagine this. I got started doing this about five, six years ago now. And uh, right. my background was I'm a copywriter. I'm a, I'm a, I was a senior copywriter at an ad agency before I uh, before I came on to do all this, um, this this content, weird YouTubing stuff. And um, I was always broke, man. <laughs> I mean, like I, I my family was like, fine, we 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 grew up like my parents worked hard. I think my dad worked like a minimum wage job for a really large part of his life. And uh, it's kind of crazy because my parents are immigrants from Mexico. My dad was actually a doctor in Mexico hmm. and him and my mom, they had good jobs, obviously. And they were like, hey, let's move to America. Let's uh, let's go do this for the kids. The land of opportunity. Right. So they moved here. Um, uh, had my, my other sister, I have two sisters and then me, I came along and, um, I saw how hard they worked and it was just like always mind boggling to me that my dad was always the smartest guy in the room and just like the least qualified because he wasn't, he wasn't able to get his medical license transferred over here to America because the test was in English. He didn't speak English. It's really hard. I mean, there are people that have done it, but you know, when you're just trying to survive in America, it's a tough thing. And so I saw them doing real estate, attempting to several times. Remember, I remember they flipped a house. Um, I remember they flipped another house and then they did some some auctions and they did OK on the house flipping. And then they they like bought a couple houses in auction and they kind of really messed up on it and like lot took a took a big beating on that one. And I just saw them really trying to do the real estate thing. And I knew that in their mind, they were like, this is my way out. This hmm. is how I'm going to get, this is how we're going to change our lives for the kids. And they just never could really, um, they could never do it like full scale. They were just, it's, I don't, it was hard. They, they weren't making enough money. They had to actually provide. Um, I remember I came home one time as a kid and my mom was like crying at the table and uh, I was like, I would say seventh grade. And I was like, what, what's wrong? And she just had like the cell phone bill in her hand. And it was back in the day whenever you would like get text messages, text message charges, right? And you would get like 500 package or a 700 package or a thousand package. And I think I sent my now wife um, at that time. That's when we like were chatting. Uh, that's when I was beginning. In seventh grade. In seventh grade. Yeah. Okay. I've known her since the fourth, but we were texting furiously in the seventh and I think I sent her like four or 5,000 text messages that month. Yeah. So the cell phone bill was legitimately like, I, I don't know. I think it was like seven, 800 bucks, which was a, a game changing amount of money for my parents. And so I think it was, it wasn't that day, but I think it was around that time where I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to figure out how to do it. So fast forward, um, un unfortunately we're not able to afford my college. So I took out student loans um, my, my wife didn't have student loans, but then she wanted to go to master her master's degree and she took out student loans. So 
by the time I'm out of college and she's out of her program and we've accumulated $60,000 of student loan debt, she has like $20,000 or we both have $20,000 of credit card debt collectively and we're married and we are married and we are broke. We are making, I think I was making 40 grand, which is not nothing, but with the debt that we had, it was a lot. And then she was nannying for like 12 bucks um, an hour. And uh, I think, yeah, she, we were making a lot. And so after my student loan bill and like credit card bill and everything like that, we'd make a lot. Finally, we felt so rich when she got her, like her full-time job as a teacher, mm. uh, also making 40,000, we we're making $80,000 yeah. in Kansas city. And uh, after a thousand dollars of a mortgage and a thousand dollars of credit card debt, a thousand dollars of student loan debt, dude, they're in like health insurance and all that stuff. We didn't have more than like a thousand bucks a month. Uh, expendable. We weren't saving. So I was always the guy that was hustling. Like my friends made fun of me because I was the guy that loved a deal. I was on Craigslist. I was like, I could flip that. Um, I was always thinking of idea like businesses to start. And uh, I had no idea that really the first business I ever started was real estate because I bought a house and my friend was thinking about moving to Kansas City. And I was like, bro, you should live with us. I'll give you cheap rent, 400 bucks. You can live in a room and uh, all bills paid with my wife and I, and it's going to be great. And uh, that's what we call a house hack, where you are living in a home and you're subsidizing the mortgage by allowing other people to rent out rooms or spaces or guest homes or studios on your property. And that to me was really the beginning of my real estate journey. Questions? Mm. Sorry, I know I just riffed there for no, like, no. I mean hours. that the, you know I think what I love about hearing people's story is the the why behind it. And for you, your why is super clear and super strong because you had seen your parents basically give up what would be a good life in Mexico to come to America to to have a hopefully a better life for you all, and had seen real estate from an early age tough, but not undoable. Like just realizing like it was tough for them because of certain circumstances, but wait a second, like if they keep trying to do this, there must be a reason. Like why, why real estate? And it's like, well, because there is a, why you and I love it now, there are so many different ways to do it, but there's also so many avenues to build financial freedom from it. Not everyone has to do short-term rentals. You and I geek out about short-term rentals because mm -hmm. it's the sexiest part in my mind of real estate. It's the most fun. If you're a traveler, you're someone who comes to our podcast, it it like allows you to give people an experience, right? Mm -hmm. So like I love the artistic side of short-term real estate, uh, short-term rentals, as well as then the the numbers. But I, so when people talk to me, they're like, oh yeah, I'm going to buy like a you know, storage units and things like that. I get it. Like, it's cool. It's totally. safe. It's this and that. But I'm like, nah, nah. I, you know, I, I, I'm with you, man. I think that's probably why I honestly, I'm a very hospitality driven guy just yep. in general. Like, I like hosting people. I like being with people. And so I think when my buddy was like living with us, I really loved having a roommate and subsidizing my mortgage. And then the next house that I lived in, my roommate, I had a buddy, my best friend lived with us for like a year who, you know, I told him, move to L.A. I'm going to build a tiny house in my backyard. It's going to take me like three weeks. It'll cost like 20 grand. As soon as it's done, you can move in there. And he's like, great. So he moves to California, ends up living in my in my guest room for about 13 months. My tiny house actually ended up costing seventy two thousand dollars, but doesn't matter. It was a great year. And then even in my last house, when I was living in Tennessee in the last year, my best friend and room uh, and business partner lived with us for that almost that entire year. So I've always been very communal like that. And I think that's what Airbnb 
has been for me. It's like a, com- a, a communal hospitality driven thing where I can communicate with people. And I really get a lot of joy out of helping people make lifelong memories. Genuinely, I know that's like super cheesy, but when you think about like going on vacation or going on a trip with people, you're, you're, you're thinking about the conversations that you had with them at the house a lot more sometimes than the things that you actually did. Right. Because you go and you, yep. you go to Paris and it's the city of love. We, we, all that kind of stuff. And then you go back home and then you talk about it, you decompress and then you drink beers and you have fun. And you're like, man, this today was really fun. And then all the real magic happens like under one roof where everyone's just chatting and geeking out about what they saw. And those memories to me like that, those are the most important memories of my life are traveling. So I think being able to provide people that on a short-term basis through Airbnb has been my favorite thing about the platform, which is why I don't think I'll ever leave that asset class. I'll definitely be doing other types of real estate, obviously, just for the sake of learning and teaching people on yep. bigger pockets and everything like that. But short-term rentals to me are special because they make really, really great money, A, but B, more importantly, you just help people make memories and hopefully they'll come back and they they tell you about it man they write reviews about it i have a little like book that i keep in all my airbnbs like um you know those like books at weddings where you can write like a little note to the bride and groom we keep those in the airbnbs and we let people write a memory in there and it's like legitimately a very touching thing to like go and check in on my airbnbs and just sit there for like 30 minutes reading through all the notes like kids write stuff in there parents write stuff in there and they'll say like wow, you know, I saw a bear with my daughter on your property or like, hey, I taught my son how to make a fire for the first time in your chimney or like your house is so charming. So it's those types of things that are like the ultimate ego booster, right? Whenever you can provide that and people are like, dude, your place was like a life changing place for us. That to me is what's special about Airbnb. Could not agree more. And even before he became a host, I was having a lot of those same feelings as a traveler. And I remember one in specific, we, we went to Florence and we, my wife and I had never been, and we had had a decent experience in um, Venice before in Rome, but it wasn't like, any, like the accommodations were okay. Like they, they were people's apartments. They were okay. And then we went to Florence and we roll up and there's a lady there. And she tells the story of how it's been in her family for a hundred years. And they, they have a chocolate company and she's giving us, you know, there are chocolates and she's telling us where nice. to eat. And it's right. The best little place is right around the corner. Madonna ate there once, you know, whatever. Like, <laughs> and uh, did Madonna eat there? I don't know. But, you know, and it's just it's cool to awesome, think she did, though. Yeah, it's this awesome Italian lady. And like to this day, I can point to that memory because it, that night we got in late. It was raining, you know, and this and that. And that night we sat there and we're like, this is this is so cool that we ended up in this spot because we could have been in a hotel. We could have been in whatever. And we just would have rolled up and like, we wouldn't have had this magical night. And, you know, I didn't own any Airbnbs at that point, but that has always stuck in my memory. It was like, well, we have so much travel experience. Like we could do this too. Right. My wife's an interior designer. I obviously love like finding the deals and all that, but it's like, we can create these magical memories for other people. And so I'm with you like that to me is, the, the why behind short-term rentals versus other type of asset classes, which again are fine and to diversify into, but I don't think anything will have that same hold on me unless it was like hotel motel, which again is in short-term rentals, which I actually want to ask you about because you are doing one or bought one. Like you've moved into a hotel. Am I not yes. moved, not physically moved <laughs> to live into it? You really love the communal living. You're taking That's you right, and your family man. and living in a hotel room. No, the but you need it motel, <laughs> but you haven't, hotel motel now. Am I right? 
That's right. Yeah. So we bought a motel in New York about two or three months ago. Um, it wasn't really my plan to buy a motel, but I kind of got through this point in my journey where I bought and owned and managed 15 Airbnbs and I've mastered the single family acquisition. Um, but the thing is, that, like at a certain point for me where I am in my journey, like Airbnb is now just a part of my like just one slice of my life. Right. We got Airbnb. We've got the other businesses that I run. We've got YouTube. We've got bigger pockets. We've got all other content and then the other 50 business things that are always going on. And so it just didn't really make sense for me to like keep buying a house and then another house and then another house because the time and effort spent in buying a single house and setting it up, whether it's a 1,000 square foot place or a 3,000 square foot place, it's significant. It's just a lot of time and a lot of hustle to do it, which is really great if that's the only thing you want to do is Airbnb. But for me, I want to grow a real estate empire and teach people how to do that. And so I was like, all right, well, I don't want to leave Airbnb. How can I scale up? How can I really grow the operation? So I get this DM where all great deals are made uh, from somebody who's like, hey, man, I'm selling a motel. Um, it's in New York. Here it's you know 800 grand. Uh, it makes this much money. What do you think? And I was like, hmm. Let me send this to my business partner. We comp it out. And so we're like, all right, so they're making okay money as is. But if we renovate this and turn it into an Airbnb, like boutique hotel, where instead of it being your typical hotel and checking in, which we'll have that option too, we actually market it on Airbnb, verbobooking.com. We were like, we think we can raise rates, the ADR, the average daily rate, 30 to 50% and make a lot more money. And so we're still renovating it right now. It's actually going pretty well. But the idea is, you Cross know, your fingers, this... man. Cross your right. fingers. Yeah. We don't know really that. Know. But the thing is, I, I bought this thing and overnight, like I, I signed the closing docs and then I just realized I was like, oh, my God, I just went from 15 units to 35 units overnight. I've more than doubled my portfolio. And then I was like, this is the model for me. Like, this makes a lot of sense. Now I've mastered the one the one uh, one offs or whatever. Now I can buy 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 unit doors and uh, and then do that. And so now we're working on like a, a campsite model and a glamp site model and an RV park model. And so my goal, I, I just launched, um, I'm launching Raw Built Capital. I don't know if it will be launched by this point. Maybe it will. Um, and that's going to be my fundraising arm. And my mm -hmm. fundraising arm is basically where I want to raise $100 million in the next five years and just buy really cool, unique experiences at scale and basically really just truly become the king of short-term rentals. No, I'm just mm -hmm. kidding. Uh, but really grow and scale that way because I've te I teach people every day how to do this, but there is a little bit of a learning curve on how to do this at scale. And there's just not a lot of information in the short-term rental game. So hotels and motels were kind of my foray into it and we're learning and we're figuring it out. And I want to buy more. People keep sending me hotels now all the time on Instagram. And I'm like, all right, great. I appreciate you thinking of me. Well, also it keeps you curious, right? Like the reason we get into all this is that you want to do stuff that you haven't done before, right? And yes, it can be hard. Like there, there are people out in this world, even people in the short-term rental space that I know that friends like, well, I'm just going to rinse and repeat the same model over, 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 over again. Trav, why are you like, why with each one that you get, are you, are you pushing it a little further? Like now you're doing a down to the studs renovation and now you're doing more units and like why not just do the same thing over and over and i'm like well that's just because that's my personality right like i'm yeah. not the one who wants to just keep doing it i think there's some value to it right when you're building a business of course because 
you know, then you, you kind of get the systems in place. But I think both you and I are just driven by hospitality, as you mentioned, and curiosity of like, well, yeah, I think a hotel motel will be hard, but we want to do it because it, it gives us something, a bigger flag that we can plant in the ground. Right. And so, yeah, 100%. I mean, I'm with you. There's there, just, there's, it, there have been some bumps and bruises along the way with that. And a lot of people would probably like walk away from a hotel deal because of the legit, they're like a hotel. That's so that's a lot. And the thing you always have to remind yourself in real estate is that millions of people have done it before you. Um, this is just a fact. Are all those millions of people and successfully millions of people done it successfully are, is every single one of those millions of people smarter than you? Probably not. Um, you're probably just as smart as some of the titans in that space. They just are farther along. And so real estate is really just about application of skill set. You know, I know that a hotel primary thing is someone books a stay. They sleep at the hotel. They leave for the day. They come back. They sleep there again. They check out. Guess what else is like that? Airbnb. So at its core, we know that Airbnbs and hotels do the same thing. Now, the functionality and the logistics and the processes and everything like that might be a little bit different, but in a lot of ways, it's not. So you just have to apply the the savviness that you have in, let's say, real, like a short-term rentals to hotels, and then you fill in the gaps here and there. And as yep. long as you're smart, savvy, and hungry, you can fill in the gaps pretty easily is my, is my, um, my theory on that. Yeah, you mentioned some of the bumps and bruises, right? And it, it's probably probably with every pot project, there's bumps and bruises. You mentioned the first one you did, the tiny house that was supposed to be, what'd you say, three months and 20 grand, <laughs> yeah. and it was 13 uh, months and weeks, 72. Three weeks. Three weeks, three weeks, yeah. yeah. Um, give us a few of those points in your journey where it was hard and where you, you had to make a decision whether this was something that you were going to go after. Because- you know, and, and then we'll we'll start to talk to people a little bit about how they can get started. But really, anything that anyone does, short-term rentals, real estate, doesn't matter, you know, building online business, there's going to be times you're like, wait, is this the right decision for me? And should I keep going? Um, especially in the beginning, because you don't, you, you probably come in with some rose-colored glasses every time, whether beginning of a project or beginning of a new season of life. And, um, and then you have, you get humbled and then you have to say, I am going to stick it out or no, I'm not going to. So for you, was that first tiny house like, was that, was there a time where you're like, like, we're never going to get through this. Basically, this is going to kill me. I'm done. Or oh, what man, kept yeah. you going? Definitely. I mean, okay. So let's backtrack a little bit. Like I moved to LA from Kansas city, my wife and I, and we were like, yeah, that makes sense. We're broken. We should move to a more expensive city. So we bought this, we rented this little 600 square foot apartment. And um, I was just like, so it was eighteen hundred and fifty bucks, and I was tired of spending that. I was like, this is crazy, eighteen fifty for a six hundred square foot apartment. I was like, I would rather uh, be broke and build equity than pay a landlord. So I was like, let's buy a house. And my wife was like, are you sure? And I was like, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. That's crazy. She's like, well, what about the lease? It's going to cost us thousands of dollars to break. And I was like, well. I heard about this this thing, this this crazy little thing called the Airbnb. Apparently, strangers will pay you thousands of bucks to stay at your place. And she's like, are you sure? And I was like, no, but let's, let's do it. And so we listed that apartment on Airbnb. We moved into this house. This house was $624,000, which was a mind-blowing figure at the time. Like equivalent- What year was that? 2017, when okay. we closed on it. So equivalent 
to the feeling of buying a 624 house at that time would be like me buying a like a $10 million house right now. Like it was just like unfathomable. Yeah, it blew but, away anything that had been in your mind before anything you had yeah, done before. Dude, yeah. our house in Kansas City was 159,000 bucks. Yeah. So, okay. so you were five Xing. Yeah, yeah. Four Xing. Yeah. So genuinely, I was like, oh my God, like I we can't do this. But the question in real estate is always not can I afford this, but how can I afford this? Right. So this little house had like a, a 279 square foot studio apartment underneath it. And um, I was making one to two thousand bucks a month profit on the apartment. And I was like, well, I think with this house, if we put it on Airbnb, we'll be making two to three thousand bucks a month. And my wife was like, are you sure? And I was like, no, of course not. But I think it's going to work. And so we did it. Um, we did that and it was making two to three thousand bucks a month. And so two to three thousand bucks there, one to two thousand bucks on the on the apartment. My mortgage was forty four hundred bucks. And I was like not paying a mortgage. And I was like, man, what if I had 10 of these? So that kind of leads me to, oh my God, let's build a tiny house in the backyard. My wife's like, are you sure? I was like, well, yeah, three weeks, 20 grand. We're good, baby girl. Let's do this thing. And so, yeah, that obviously ended up being a mistake because I ended up costing 72,000 bucks. Um, I took out a $45,000 loan to do it because um, I ended up getting a, like talking to someone else and they're like, yeah, it'll be more like 40 grand. And I was like, okay, more than I thought, but let's do it. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to borrow 45. I'll get yeah, an extra five just, grand as a contingency. Just to be safe. Yeah, like, you know, I'll get nice tile, you know, with the extra five grand, whatever. And so very quickly, <laughs> we're, we're not halfway through this build. And I realized that like I'm almost out of money. And I'm like, oh, crap. I, I'm, something's wrong here. You know, I was like, I'm, I'm, I have like $5,000 left. We've barely like framed this sucker in. And I was like, oh, man, I, this is not good. So I had to kick the crew out. You know, they were really great. But I was like, look, guys, love y'all. But um, I'm out of money. And yeah, you're not going to love have, me when I'm not paying you for doing work. Yeah, right. And I was like, I love y'all. Yeah, I, I want to pay y'all. I can't. You're you, you, you've been really great up until this point. But Papa's got to figure this one out on his own. And so uh, I ended up finishing that house. Um, I did like the final uh, paint. I did the painted it. I did stain the concrete floors. I installed the laminate floors, the cabinets, the countertops, the final plumbing, the final electrical and like for skills that I truly couldn't do like tiling. I, I hired that out, but there are a lot of points there where it just felt so slow because you hire a crew and you come every day and then they're like, you know, they're a little bit more done. Right. And so as soon as they were gone, that super speedy process or progress was over. And it was just on me to always do more and more and more and more. And yeah, there are a lot of days, man, where I was just like, dude, this is crazy. I don't, I don't think I can, finish this. And I don't know. I mean, a lot of friends came and, and helped in the final hours and it was really cool. And I did it. And I'm really glad that it worked out that way because I understood what it's like to hustle and to grind for the dream. Right. Um, a lot of people want to get into this business and they just want to invest and they want to hire it out and they want to just automate it and make it hundred percent passive. And it's like, cool, if you can afford that, good for you. But I just think that being a real estate investor and entrepreneur like you, you don't earn your stripes as an entrepreneur unless you struggle a little bit, unless you cry a little bit, bleed a little bit, right? And so that was me in this house. And so now I'm really proud of that house. That house, uh, as of like two weeks ago, has finally paid for itself on Airbnb. It cost me $72,000 to build and I grossed $74,000 on it as of last month. And it's only been on Airbnb for like two and a half, maybe three years, something like that. Okay. I think two and a half years. Um, And so 
that's a very prideful moment for me where I'm just like, see, I did it. Like I, I did this thing and I worked for it and I earned every dollar of that. Had I just bought that tiny house, there'd be some gratification there, but it, there's no, no gratification, like building it yourself, you know? And so yeah. every day was like one of those, man, where am I going to find the money to finish this? Like I, what have I gotten myself into? But I've never not figured something out and I knew that I would. And so I finished this tiny house, buddy moves into it. And I was like, well, what if I did this again? And okay, stop stop right there because that's all right. This is an interesting thing. You just bled, sweat, blood, sweat, tears, you know, had an awful, not an awful experience, but like not the experience you experience. Yeah, hard experience. Yeah, let's put it that way. And Heather and I just went through this with renovations that we were doing way longer, way more expensive, way harder than we thought. So, you know, we're currently in this and and then it's like, well, where's the next one? And it's like, wait, are we masochistic? Like what's (laughs) happening here? So this is where I'm wondering, because you hadn't even got paid off yet. You know, like you knew it was done and it would pay, but you you had it's not like you had someone then paid you for that. Now you had more money or anything like, you knew it's going to be a longer term thing. Correct. So what made you then say? I'm going to do this again. Yeah. So um, a couple of things, actually. So in building this tiny house, the equity of my house went up significantly. Um, So I was actually able to get what's called a home equity line of credit, a HELOC. And that basically is like a credit line against the equity in your house. And depending on the bank that you work with, they'll let you withdraw up to 80, 90 percent of the of the equity that you have in your house. So to put this into simple terms, let's say that you um, let's say that you have you buy a half a million dollar house and the value increases to a million. You have half a million dollars in equity. That means if you sold your house, you could basically make a five hundred thousand dollar profit. Um, you could also do what's called a, a cash out refi, where you pull equity out and reamortize that loan over 30 years and then have a little bit of cash in your pocket to go and reinvest. Or you can just say, hey, um, I want to keep the loan as is, my $500,000 loan. You know, I only owe 480 on it. I've been paying it down for a little bit. But I'd like to take 90% of my equity out as a line of credit. So what the bank will do is they'll give you, um, you, you have to qualify for it and everything like that from a debt to income ratio standpoint. But you can get like 90% that's what I did of that half a million dollars. So in this instance, half a million dollars, I mean, this isn't really the the exact math of it, but for the purpose of this example, 90% of half a million is $450,000 that you could effectively have on a, on a credit card or on a, however they disperse it, the check cash withdrawal. And the interest rate on it is actually pretty good. The interest rate at that time was 0% for six months. After six months, it goes up to like a 4.5% variable. So Long explanation to say equity of my house went up. Bank says, hey, we're going to give you a home equity line of credit, $120,000. And I was like, cool. So I had $120,000 that I could go and invest, right? Other people's money, OPM. And so this sort of goes back to the origin story of me being a uh, me being the son of an immigrant um, is that I wanted my parents were coming close to retirement and I wanted them to be taken care of. And I was like, well, I got 120 grand. I could go and build a house in Joshua Tree um, that's not too far from LA. Land is cheap. And hey, mom and dad, if you guys want to kick in 37 grand, I think it's going to cost me about 150 to build. Um, I'll make you 50 50 partners. And that way you guys have money when you retire. Hmm. And they're like, great. I didn't really need the 37 grand. I think there was like other ways I could have gotten the 37 grand. 
but I, I was just like wanted to throw them a bone because I, I wanted this for them. So they were like, sure, you know, we trust you to do all this. And uh, I was like, great, let's do it. So I build this house and um, surely like I, I had no idea what it would become. I didn't realize it'd become like the Internet's most viral tiny house. But it did. Right. I, I had started the YouTube channel around this point. Um, I had listed it on Airbnb and it was starting to make a lot of money for me. But this whole thing that I just talked about is, is what I like to call like return on equity, where you basically take equity that's just sitting in your house and you put it to work to make you a return like that to me is a, a very important thing that a lot of people don't ever do because a lot there's a misconception that debt is bad. But I think debt is actually great if you can use that debt to make you more money. And that's exactly what I did. Um, and then after that house was built, the remember that cash out refinance thing I told you about, the bank went and they appraised that property for $222,000. And I was able through that loan to get 75% of that appraised amount back into my pocket, which equated to $165,000. So I literally built that house for free. Mm. I built it for free. I took equity from first home. I built this tiny home. I did a cash out refi and then I paid off the HELOC in my, in, in my parents and everything like that. So now I have got two tiny homes uh, and now I have the $120,000 line of credit. Now what do I do? You could do it again. You right. do it again. But the thing is, when you have equity in all your different homes, you know, you, the, the world is your oyster. So now probably between all my homes, I have $1.5 million of equity, maybe $2 million. I don't know. I'd have to go and add it up a lot that I could go and I could use. Let's just say I had a um, million dollars of equity. A million dollars is 20% of 5 million bucks. I could literally right. take my HELOCs and go build $5 million worth of homes and just over, like in 12 to 18 months, triple my net worth, right? So scaling up is possible. It just takes a lot of time because a lot of people in Airbnb, they're like, how do I get to unit two? How do I get to unit three? I'm like, all right. Admittedly, those are the hardest to, to get to because it, it takes money to, to get started yep. in some capacity. But as soon as you do it and you figure out the game and the chess pieces and where to move them, you start scaling up and snowballing and it, it, it compounds pretty quickly. What for you then... You mentioned the first tiny house and then then, then that second one in Joshua Tree. Like, where did you say this is going to be the thing that I'm I'm doing now? Like at what point? Well, it, probably even easier question. When did you leave your job? Like when were you like, okay, I know enough about this and I've done it enough that I feel comfortable using this as the vehicle to quit my job? Okay, good question. The tiny house, uh, Casa Conejo and Joshua Tree, I think was done in January of 2020. Um, I quit my job in April of 2020. Hold on. Right. Yeah. April of 2020. Right. Because it wasn't this last April, which was April 2022. It was. Yeah. So probably four months after that, because life got a little crazy at that point. You know, I, I built this tiny house. It went viral on YouTube. I had started the channel, by the way. <laughs> and uh, at, at the same time, I started this YouTube channel talking about it. I had another build going on at the same time as Conejo because I had a partner reach out. But at that time, he wasn't a partner. He was just a friend. And he was like, dude, I see you're crushing it on Airbnb. If I pay for it, will you teach me how to do it? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, it will be 50-50 partner. So we went on and built another home. And so stuff got started going viral on Airbnb. I decided What do you to think made it? Like, What do you think was the, the turning point there with getting that traction on YouTube? And like you said, the viral tiny home, was it... 
why why that why yours and not something else? Is it something you did? Was it strategic or was it just kind of yeah? I don't want to say uh, well, because no, no. I think it was the juxtaposition of my tiny house being so expensive. So okay, tiny house, three hundred square right. feet. It's one hundred and sixty-five thousand dollars. One hundred and sixty-five thousand dollars is a healthy budget for many homes in America that are not tiny. And okay. so a lot of angry people that are like, oh, California's going to the ground. Of course, it would cost one hundred and sixty five thousand dollars to build a tiny house there. Then some people are like, oh, my God, that's like the cutest house I've ever seen. And like some people are like, yeah, it's nice. I don't think it's worth 30, you know, one sixty five. And like people that were like, you know, so it just sparks angry conversation, happy conversation, desire, you know, like passionate just sparks conversation, conversation in, in general. general. Yeah. So generally, like everybody was talking about it from all angles. And so that put it up on, on YouTube and went instantly viral. Um, as far as like, gosh, hold on. I'm just really trying to remember this timeline because we're in, we're in October of 2022. So, okay. April of 2021, I think is when I quit my job. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the easiest way to remember it, was it right when the pandemic was starting or were you a year into the pandemic? Because 2020 is right when it was starting. Yeah. It's a little, okay. Hold on. No, you don't make me math on, on Every, the air, man. What everything's foggy. Well, okay. I, I guess it was a year into it because yep. it was just weird because um I started my YouTube channel on January 7th of 2020. Okay. Um, and then pandemic started right after that, right? Or yeah, yeah it was yes. yeah. So it started two months after that. And that's kind of when my channel like took off. And I didn't quit two months after that. I quit. Yeah. So gotcha. April of 2020. Yeah. And so there was a lot of that playing into it as well with mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, people just searching like for how do I make extra money? Yeah. How do I make extra money? Having time like people are out there doing cool stuff like anything at that point that was cool. Maybe not even cool. Is baking sourdough cool? I don't know. Right. But like hey, anything. There was a lady, caught, though, that that made like millions of dollars from her like twenty dollar baking sourdough. Yeah. Course. So, I mean, it, it OK, so it caught on then and really started ramping up and allowed you to quit your job basically a year and a couple months later. Yeah. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. What I mean, that's a pretty quick timeline, not just quitting your job, but the real estate thing, right? Like basically saying, all right, 2020, I finished my first, well, second house, but first one that was like a standalone one, not on the property that, that we had before at, to, to now where you have 15 doors, but with this motel hotel, another 20, that's a pretty, pretty quick timeline. And I know there's also a lot of other people out there who are your friends with them, who I know who have done stuff very quick. What do you, what's your take on that versus other people who might say like, well, yeah, you're going like you're going quick, you're being leveraged, blah, 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 and building this out versus taking a, a slower approach. The, the thing is, I knew like I was pretty good at advertising, like at writing as a copywriter, but I was never going to be great. I had a lot of coworkers who were great and a lot of coworkers who were superstars. And I was like, I'm glad that I'm here. I'm happy that I'm employed, but I'm not going to be legendary in the in the advertising space. And I, I always knew that. You know what I mean? And I was really good at Airbnb. Like, I was really good at it. I was like, I know how to do this. I, there's a game to it. Right. And so my goal was like, I wanted to like, I think around it, I was making like $25,000 a month for my Airbnbs. And that was about twice my personal salary at work. You were making that, that profit? Like you're profit. making 25K profit. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Which is 
honestly the number that I don't even track anymore because I have part like if I included all the revenue and like what my partner's profit, it's more than 25. I just say 25 because it's an easy number to remember. And I'm like, this is an achievable thing for everybody. Sometimes it might be 30 or 40, whatever. It just depends on the month. But 25,000, I think, is that number for so many people. And so I, I'm just like, yeah, 25 grand is very achievable. I did it. And that's when I quit my job. Um, as far as like going slow. OK, I guess what I was getting to is I just knew I wasn't going to be great at advertising. And so I was like, I think as soon as I found something I was great at, then it didn't really make sense to not go all in. And so I figured out that Airbnb was like, I'm going to be great at this. And so I'm just like, let's freaking do it. And so I'm over here running and hustling and hustling and hustling. And then I put a YouTube video up. And for the first six months, it was crickets on my channel. And then all of a sudden, boom, viral. And my whole goal with starting a YouTube channel, like my big life goal um, was to get a thousand subscribers. And I remember six months in to the day, I hit a thousand subscribers and I was like, my dream came true. Like I, I did this, you know, and I was like, all right, well, uh, let's try to hit 5,000 in the next like three or four years. And then I hit 5,000 a week after that. And then 25,000 a week after that. So I started kind of figuring out, all right, I'm going to be really good at this Airbnb thing. And maybe there is a future for me on YouTube. Uh, the jury is still out on that, but I was like, you know, maybe, maybe I'll be pretty great at this YouTube thing. I don't know. Um, but I did, I ended up like kind of figuring that game out too. Right. And so as soon as I figured out that the Airbnb thing and, and that I was good at content and then how to monetize my platform and I started taking consultations on and then making a lot more money doing that. So then I got pretty good at making money outside of my full-time job. And so for me, it's been an all-out sprint. For people that want to go slower, there's nothing wrong with that. If you want to work your nine-to-five job, there's nothing wrong with that. If you want to be uh, the top exec at your company one day and you love your job and you love the security and you love health benefits and 401k match, great, slow and steady. There's no need for you to run as fast as you can on the on the real estate side because you're going to be employed. You have money. You just add a, a house to the portfolio every year or two, like whenever and keep growing and growing and growing. And like when you retire, you're going to have a couple of houses that you can sell for hopefully seven figures and you've got your pension and your 401k and great. But if you want to quit your job and that's truly a, a goal of yours, then it kind of has to be a sprint because you're trying to get to a point where your real estate and your other incomes and your side hustles are 130% of what you make at your at your company because when you're self-employed, you lose all your benefits and 401k and all that kind of stuff. So you got to make a little bit more self-employed than you do at your job. So I'd say like, look, if you want to go slow, low and slow, it's going to be the, the least risky way to do it. But if you look at people that are successful in real estate that are like like huge icons in the space, they didn't do it by, by walking slowly. What do you have... Well, you kind of gave a few of your plans. Like, what do you see? Because this is a very hard question for me to answer. So if you can't, I, I get it. Yeah, yeah. But I you said, these. you know, you've gone really fast in in basically it's called two years, um, two and a half years, you know, and you don't have any plan on slowing down as far as I can tell from our conversations, right? So what are you kind of projecting out? Like, what are you saying? You said you got the hotel motel, right? So give us like two years from now, Rob, like what does it look like for you as far as the real estate, but maybe even the YouTube stuff? Like, is that is that a continual thing that you're going to keep doing? Or do you think you've gotten to a place with that, that you're like, hey, 
it's feeding the real estate, but the real estate's the bigger thing that I like doing. Or are they kind of mm. on equal yeah. footing and you like enjoy both? Well, YouTube will always have my heart. Like that will always be the number one place you'll find me and the best version of me. You know what I mean? The the best, most edited, funniest version of me will always be YouTube, no doubt. Um, so I, I would like to think two years from now that you know I'm I'm sitting at like a million subscribers. I think that's a lofty goal, but it's a good goal. I'm at like 215 right now and I've been doing it for two years. Um, but it, it goes faster the more you grow. So that would be like goal one. Um I currently have 35 units. Um, I think I'd be a little disappointed if I didn't have like 200 units in two years from now um, because I want to get to 100 in the next year and then it just snowballs so much faster after that. Yeah. So like I said, I'm, I'm starting Raw Built Capital. That's going to be my fundraising arm where I raise, you know, hopefully 20 million a year to go and buy crazy projects that we're going to turn into like monumental pieces across the world in the short term space. Um so I'd like to think that I have 200 units under under management uh, two years from now. And then I'd also like, I have HostCamp, which is my Airbnb education program. And and um, I really want that to be like, like just a, a, a resource, like a, like I'm working right now and re, reworking that website to be like the go-to place for templates and calculators and blogs and content and like all just one ecosystem of short-term rental education. So that's like a big initiative of mine right now. And then I have like one or two SaaS products in the work right now where I want to kind of monetize my platform outside of just Airbnb and like education and YouTube. I want to actually have software products like a property management system and like another SaaS product that I can be like, hey guys, um, I've taught you how to do this. I didn't like these other ones for this and this and this reason. I liked them for this and I've taken the best of everything and made my own version of it. And then growing that to be like a pretty monumental um, product in the space too. So I got a lot of plans. <laughs> uh, you got. Can I do it all? I'm not sure, but you know, I, I mean, wish it was like one clear answer, but you know, it's, it's a lot of stuff. Well, as long as you keep hustling, you can do it all right. Um, I don't know how those kids aren't wearing you down though. I mean, oh man, <laughs> man. <laughs> my <I'm> wife, saying- <laughs> yeah, we got a lot more gray hair now. Yeah. yeah. Um, on the workshop, we're going to be t- teaching people a lot about kind of getting started with short-term rentals. The goal of the workshop, and we call it the three biggest myths of starting a short-term rental, is really how to get you started. Like a lot of you listening probably don't have short-term rentals. Obviously, if you're listening, if you listen this far, you're interested in it. And and the goal of bringing Rob on and telling his story was that I wanted you guys to see what's possible too. Rob has gone a lot faster than I have. And that's that's great. Like, cool. We went... What I thought was fast, then we slowed down a bit. Now we're starting to ramp back up again. But that this really is a vehicle, if you're interested, to be able to leave your job or to be able to give you the freedom that you want. And we're going to be talking a lot about that inside the workshop that we're doing. So I don't want to give too much away or I don't want to discuss it yeah. all, Rob. But if people are are here and listening, they're like, okay, this sounds cool. Like Some of maybe what Rob talked about was over my head. Some of it wasn't over my head. I like to hear his story. I, I want to be maybe where Rob and Travis are at, where they have a really good footing in real estate. They want to do more and they don't know everything, but they know enough to to be dangerous and to to allow that to be a sizable part of their income. What are what would you say are kind of like one or two things that if someone's just starting out that that they should or could do to to get started, but to even figure out if they think it might be a good fit for them. 
Yeah, totally. Well, it's in my mind, you have to be willing to do this. But when someone comes to me and they say, hey, dude, I want to get into real estate. What do I do? Like, how do I what's the quickest way to get there? You know, I always tell people that in my mind, the best way to get started is a, is legitimately a house hack. I love the house hack model. I think it really accelerates your wealth because the sooner you can get out. And remember, this is renting a space in your home to subsidize your mortgage. And I just think it accelerates your wealth so much faster because the faster you can get out of paying your mortgage, the faster you can use that mortgage money to basically make your next investment. And so you can do that on Airbnb. You could, you know, I remember telling you my friend paid me 400 bucks just as a long-term rental buddy. But on the short-term side, I probably could have rented that room for like 50 bucks a night. 50 bucks a night at, you know, on a perfect month is like 1500 bucks. They're not always going to be perfect, but you'll have months that are a thousand to 1500 bucks off of one room. That's life-changing money for a lot of people. That was life-changing money for me. So I think it's pretty low stakes to start there. If you got a long-term rental, it's pretty low stakes to convert it to a, a short-term rental because you already own the asset. So what you could do is furnish it and put it on Airbnb and see how it makes it. Um, you could do you could do how I started, which is rental arbitrage, where you talk to a landlord and you get their permission to Airbnb their unit and you put that on Airbnb and you basically pay the landlord rent and then you run it as an Airbnb. There's so many ways that you can get started. I think for me, the most important advice that I, I can give is just to do literally anything that gets you like try anything get into your first deal if it pencils out great if it's like kind of pencils out do it like it doesn't matter you will figure it out a lot of people are like oh what if i did this carry the one i don't know this returns like a 20 percent. it's not a 19 percent. i'm like just do it on your first deal the most valuable uh, the most value that you're going to get from it is the actual the fumbles and the learning mistakes that you're mm. going to make not really the money you could obviously make a lot of money on your first deal, but you're going to make so much more money in the future from the experience that you get from your first deal. So getting started, whether it's a house hack, whether it's converting a long-term rental into it. Hey, if you really want the lowest stakes on how to do this, take a vacation somewhere, pick a place that you want to go. All right. If you want to go to Japan, this was my first big international country that I ever went to. Clean up your house, take all your clothes, stick them in totes, throw them in the garage. It's going to take you like two, three hours. All right. But all your personal important stuff, that's like you would not want anyone touching, tote it up, throw it in the garage, list your home on Airbnb and see if you get a hit. I remember I convinced my wife, I was like, Hey, um, let's take a vacation. Let's rent our house. And she's like, no, we're not going to rent our house. Are you crazy? I'm like, look, if it works, we'll have an all expenses, awesome vacation. And she was like, all right, let's do it. So we did that. Um, and my buddy, my roommate, the guy that was living with us in the guest home, we cleaned everything out and then we booked the, our home for like 3000 bucks and it paid for our plane tickets. It, play, it paid for our hotel, paid for our food for most of it. And we had this amazing vacation in Mexico City while people were just staying in our house. And then we came back and then we cleaned out the house and then we lived there again. That's a really low, low stakes way of getting started into Airbnb, just renting out your own place. But Stay at your at your parents' house, right? Your cousin's house or whoever's house, just to see if it works. Yep. That's exactly what Heather and I did. That's how we before we did anything in the short-term rental world, we had one house that we lived in. And I remember coming back. We've been traveling and long-term renting it for three years. Some of you know my story. And I was so against moving back in our house because I thought that's my identity, right? I'm a traveler. We have a travel podcast, we have a travel website. We can't have a home. And you know, within three days, it's like, wait, we teach people how to like figure stuff out and be unconventional. 
we could probably just Airbnb this out. And sure enough, we took a trip to Cape Town, South Africa. We cool. rented it out. Uh, they, someone came and stayed. We actually rented a place in Cape town where they lived in that house, but they were like, yeah, if anyone books it for the weekends, we just go. And it was like at a, a brother's house. We just go stay at a brother's house. Sometimes <laughs> we sleep in our car. I'm like, okay, not exactly how I would do it, but yeah, we went and we rented for a couple years. Whenever we would travel, we rented out our own home and before we even built, bought a, uh, a, a rental property, an investment property. Right. And, um, yeah, it just got the wheels turning. Right. And it was like, do we like this? Yes or no. And if you like renting out your own home or even if you're like, yeah, I, I you know, I don't love every part of it, but I, I enjoyed enough to do it. That's a good indication that, yeah, you enjoy short term rentals, because I will tell you that when it's not your own home, it's easier. I mean, we still rent this house out that we live in. That's how we could afford to live beachfront. We penciled the numbers two years ago, Rob. We we're like, listen, this is scary to buy this price property. But OK, if we rent out in the summer, huh? Those numbers are almost exactly our mortgage for the year if we rent it out for, for 12 weeks in the summer. Dude, okay. that, that's my favorite version of Airbnb, honestly, where obviously we want to make money. The return has to be good. But the cool thing about Airbnb is that it enables you to live in your dream home and have other people pay for it. Look, do you mm -hmm. get to live be beachfront in the summer? No. But you get to leave, live beachfront the other nine months of the year, maybe it's not as warm, but either way you get to live in your dream beachfront house and people pay for it, you yep. know, for three months out of the year. And it's just like, that's the best version of Airbnb because there's so many people that want second homes or vacation homes. And they're like, well, we only go like one or two or three times a year. We can't justify this two, three, four, five thousand $5,000 mortgage every month. If we're only it's cheaper for us to just rent the house, you know, on Airbnb to some like to rent someone else's house. But it's like, no, you could just own it. And have other people stay there and it could still be a break even. And even if it's a break even, you still get tax benefits and you can yep. still slice you know, your tax bill significantly. There's so many reasons why it makes sense doing it that way. Totally. I read a quote yesterday. I mean, I guess this is just, you know, this is how it is. The algorithm on Facebook, someone came up and it, they were, they were saying, we, we interviewed a Miami billionaire, right? And he makes all, he's made all his money essentially in real estate in Miami and he's been doing it forever. And they're like, what, what's your biggest lesson or why, why are you a billionaire, basically? And he said, I overpaid for a lot of properties a long time ago. And, you know, that kind of sums up what you said. Like, he just got started. He was like, OK, people are saying I'm overpaying for this property, you know, 30 years ago. And now he's laughing because he's he's held them and he's, you know, and both you That's and right. I are are are. Um, you know, proponents of buying and holding and letting the real estate do the work, right? Like 10, 15, 20, 30 years, you get them as cash flow for short term rental, pays appreciate, you know, they depreciate, uh, pays off your mortgage, whatever. Uh, there's a lot of things that we'll get into in the workshop. But um, yeah, I see it as an asset. And, and one of the things we are going to talk about in the workshop is like, can you actually make money on short term rentals? And the answer is yes. And we're going to give you a peek on how and why both you and I, Rob, like it as a vehicle to make money compared to other things that people mm -hmm. are already doing. And now say don't don't do those other things, but here's another option. And here's why we enjoy it uh, as an option. And it's the biggest right. part of my portfolio for sure. So yeah, like comparing it to the more traditional mediums, right? Like, you know, stocks, crypto, gold. Um, yeah. But yeah, there are so many, there are so many reasons why, why it works. There's so many tax advantages to it. But you're that's a very funny quote from that billionaire. It's so true, man. I'm I'm currently working on a on a beach deal myself and they listed it at 1.975. I offered 1. 1.4 because it's been on the market for six months. So we're kind of like going back and forth on what it is. And you know, 
at the end of the day, like, let's say we settle at 1.7, it's still a bit of a more of a premium than I want to pay. And so a lot of people look at that and they're like, well, hey, the market, you know, it's going to correct itself, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, well, that only matters if you're in this for the short term. If you're trying to make a profit in the next year flipping it, yeah, sure. Like that's way riskier. But if you want to hold it for 30 years, it doesn't matter, man. I could overpay by a million bucks. It's not going to matter. I'm not going to, but I'm just saying like, even if we land at 1.75 today, that's, you know, as long as I cash flow or break even on it, because we want it for ourselves to go live, live there um, several months out of the year, 30 years from now, that $1.7 million house is going to be worth three, 4 million bucks. And guess what? Other people will have paid for it. So am I really all that mad about it? No. But did I get to live in a sweet beach home? Yeah. You know, totally. Dude, you, got, you got to at least tell us the area. I mean, now you got you got to be. It, it's in LA. It's like one of the, the okay. beaches in LA. Yeah. Gotcha. So you're staying on the West Coast there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, hey, got if to, you got any other beach recommendations, let me know. Plenty, man. But well, we got we got to wrap this part. I could, I'll rattle. I got a I list of like Zillow favorited. Yeah. 15 <laughs> here that popped yesterday. Right. Anyway, Rob, thank you for joining us, guys. If you're if you're listening and you're interested in short term rentals, uh, totally free workshop. Rob and I wanted to make it totally free so that even mm-hmm. if you're sitting there like, I don't even like I kind of understand what you guys were talking about, but don't really get it. You know, I just want to uh, I'm intrigued, though, by this concept um, completely free. Come over to locationindy.com slash workshop or extra pack of peanuts.com slash workshop. It's going to be a two day event. First day, Rob's going to be teaching the three biggest myths about starting short-term rentals and kind of diving into some of the stuff that we talked about. Um, you know, why why they're a good vehicle for making money, you know, how much effort is it really? And, you know, can you can you get started when you have a full-time job? That's one of the big things that we hear a lot, right? Um, so we're going to be talking about that kind of stuff. And then day two, we're going to do a question and answer session where you guys can pound us with questions. You know, uh, Rob and I are happy to come and give you all the nitty gritty details that, that we didn't maybe have time to reveal here today about what it's like to actually be a short-term rental operator and investor um, and things like that so that you can have the best idea of whether this is something you want to pursue or not. So check it out, locationindy.com slash workshop or extrapackofpeanuts.com slash workshop. Either of those will get you there. And uh, yeah, October 25th, 26th. I'm, I'm excited, pumped, man. Yeah, it's going to be I fun. I am pumped. Thank you, Rob. The presentation now, it's going to be so cool and informative. That's right. And check out, I mean, you said best way to find you, the best version of Rob that you can find anywhere. (laughs) That's right. This is when you say, yo, Rob Built is on YouTube at Rob Mm -hmm. Built, right? So, Mm -hmm. or on Instagram at Rob Built too. I do, uh, I've been doing more reels, trying to amp up the old humor, as they call it. So, yeah. Rob built on YouTube, on Instagram. Uh, please be cautious of of scammers and spammers. If you, it's there's, there's a very good chance that you might follow me and then get a follow back from a computer. So just make sure that you're looking at R O B U I L T. There you go, Rob built. Go check it out. Go check it out before the workshop, guys. You get pumped. You get to see Rob's personality even more, and and the way that he teaches. Uh, I've personally been so. I've been lucky to get to have been introduced to you by someone else. And uh, even before I was introduced to you, Rob, I was watching some of your YouTube stuff and I'm like, oh, this guy, like if I was making a YouTube channel about short term rentals, I would want to be like this guy. So um, oh, thanks, now I, I don't have it. to. Now I just get to watch hey, yours. And say, now we're and say, just buds. Now we just get to do it. So thanks, Rob. Appreciate it. Guys, last little thing here, locationindy.com slash workshop. And that's October 25th. And October 26th, if you're listening when this first comes out, you'll be able to get in there, sign up. If you're listening later, 
uh, hit that link and we'll put up a way that either you can get the replay or more information about short-term rentals if that if that time has passed already we'll get you to the right place thanks rob yeah man thanks for having me i'm excited to come back let's i'll, I'll come back anytime you call me someone if a guest cancels on you you let me know and i'm here that's right we got rob as when he when he's not doing the bigger pockets uh podcast he'll come slum it here with us at location <laughs> indy and extra factor being thanks buddy